The stories featured in Greeking Out are usually original adaptations of classic Greek myths. This week's story features a set number of tasks that somehow grows. Gourds, unreliable narrators, trickery, a fearsome hunter, and a sticky doll. Greeking Out, the greatest stories in history were told in Greek mythology. Greeking Out, gods and heroes, amazing feats. Listen and you'll see it's Say, Oracle, have you ever wondered where stories come from? Some of the earliest evidence of stories comes from the cave drawings in Lascaux and Chavot, France. The drawings, which date as far back as 30,000 years ago, depict animals, humans, and other objects. Okay, yes, but I'm asking if you know the story of how people got stories. Your question does not Makes sense. Oh, but it does, because today we are going to talk about the story of Anansi. Kuako Anansi is a spider trickster in the folklore of the Akan people of West Africa. Kuako is the name for a male born on a Wednesday, and Anansi is the Akan word for spider. So you do know about Anansi? Of course, but I will let you Tell the story. Okay, well, uh, thanks for that. Um, I'll start by saying that it's not just the Akan people of West Africa who find Anansi fascinating. People all over the world who have roots in Africa also tell the stories of Anansi. And the stories, there are so many to choose from. Uh, I could talk about how the spider got such long legs, how wisdom was given to humanity by Anansi. I could talk, you know what? Actually, no, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to stick to the topic. This is the story of how Anansi became known as the storyteller trickster. A trickster is not necessarily a god or a hero, but is like both. They can play both the villain and the champion in a story. Other tricksters in mythology include Loki, Coyote, Br'er Rabbit, and Maui. And Anansi sits right up there with the best of the best. Well, well, actually, hangs. Really? Hangs? Get it? Because he's a spider and he hangs because of the... This joke is a reference to the fact that spiders can produce silk and weave webs with it. Yeah, it's not as funny when you explain it, but anyway. um, Anansi is sometimes said to be the son of the sky god and all creator, Niyame. Sometimes he's said to be his advisor. Sometimes he's said to be his enemy. In some stories, Anansi appears as a human. In other stories, he is a spider. Sometimes he's both. All of these things could be true, and that's the thing about Anansi. There are just so many stories. And it will become clear by the end of this episode why there are so many stories about him specifically. Anansi was famous not for his strength or agility. No, Anansi knew that to beat any obstacle, you'd have to use your mind instead of your strength. Just like some people from Greek mythology you might be familiar with. That is a reference to Odysseus, Hermes, Psyche, and many other characters who use their smarts to outwit a stronger opponent. Right. It seems like the motto in a lot of mythology is work smarter, not harder. And don't eat people. And don't eat people. That's That one's still important. Yeah. Anyway, one day, Anansi noticed that once all the work for the day was completed, the humans seemed, well, bored. 
Why are they just sitting there? Anansi wondered. Why don't they tell stories to each other? More importantly, why aren't they telling stories about me? Anansi used his webs to float on the wind, and he landed in front of the humans and said, You there! Have you heard the tale of how Anansi brought wisdom to the world? The humans looked at one another and shrugged. Ooh, no? How about how Anansi tricked Tiger to let him ride on his back? Once again, everyone shrugged. No, 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 Anansi said. This won't do! So he took to the air once more on his webs and made his way all the way up to the kingdom of his father, Niyame, the sky god, creator of all. Spiders use a technique called ballooning to float on the wind, pulled by the sails of their own silk. Sometimes there are mass ballooning events where many spiders take to the air at once to avoid a flood or other situation. Anansi entered Niame's castle and presented himself to the All-Creator as he lounged on his throne. My lord, Anansi said, Did you know that the people of your kingdom don't know any stories? Niame nodded and simply said, Yes. Anansi was perplexed. You have so many amazing stories. Why not share them with the people? No said Niame. Niame apparently was a god of few words. Anansi was frustrated, but not one to give up without exhausting all of his options. Like Prometheus, Anansi liked humans and wanted the best for them. And also, he wanted humans to know how cool he was. That was definitely part of it. What if I buy the stories from you? Anansi asked Niame. (laughs) You could not afford my stories, Spider, said Niame, laughing. Now, if there was one thing Anansi loved, it was being told what he couldn't do. Anansi grinned. Oh? Asked the spider trickster. And what is your price, O great and powerful sky god? Tell me what it will cost, and I will promise you that and more. Niame howled with laughter. Oh, many kingdoms have come to me and offered to buy these stories. But none of them could afford the price. What makes you think you can sway me, Anansi? Anansi could not hide the sly grin that spread across his face. Because, my king, he said, I have many ways of getting what I want. Niame huffed and sat back on his throne. He eyed the small spider and thought deeply. And then finally, he gave in. All right, Anansi, here is my price. If you bring me everything I want, then you may have all the stories in my great collection. You see, Niame wasn't entirely convinced that Anansi could pull off such a great feat. Gods and goddesses alike had come to purchase the stories from Niame, but none of them could complete the tasks. Niame and Anansi agreed on a price. In order to buy the stories, Anansi had to capture three of the most dangerous creatures in the world and bring them to the home of the gods. Anansi had to capture the mighty Onini the python, the deadly Umboro hornets, and the shy but powerful forest spirit, Mortia. Not exactly the easiest shopping list, but Anansi wasn't worried. He had faced tougher tasks before, 
And the humans would know about those tougher tasks if they could just have storytelling. With that determination inside of him, Anansi set about putting his schemes into motion. And I'm sorry, but you know, Oracle, I'm surprised you didn't break in to talk about snakes there because I had mentioned... There are 26 species of pythons in the world. Africa's largest snake is the African rock python that can get as long as 25 feet. The rock python is so ill-tempered that it comes out of the egg yeah. striking. Yep. Okay. Yep. There it is. Okay. Thank you, Oracle. All right. Okay. So Anansi started with Onini the python. He had the perfect plan for how to capture the snake. As he neared Onini's resting place, Anansi cleared his throat <clears throat> and started talking loudly to get the python's attention. My wife knows nothing about the greatness of Onini. <laughs> I will show her. Anansi began to lay a long bamboo rod on the ground, then pulling down as many vines as he could. Awesome, my wife, he said. How I love you so, but you know nothing about the strength of Onini and how he grows. While Anansi was busy, Onini, the great python, had awakened from his restful slumber. He listened as Anansi argued loudly with himself and praised Onini's might. The python lowered himself from the canopy of trees and hovered above Anansi. Rock pythons can weigh as much as 200 pounds and can eat a full-sized hyena. Their jaws can completely separate, so they can eat large prey. Spider! Onini hissed. Anansi pretended to be startled, and as soon as he spotted Onini, he bowed. Why do you argue with yourself so? Oh, my great and strong friend, I have come to your home to beg for your help. Onini hissed and slithered closer. His great body swayed from side to side as he listened. My wife, Aso, she spreads such lies about you, Anansi said. Aso said that you are no longer than a palm frond, that you are no stronger than a mamba. The black mamba is native to sub-Saharan Africa, and is considered the world's deadliest snake. But they are not very strong. Onini hissed with anger and dropped completely from the tree. I am the greatest creature in all the land, Onini boasted. Even the mighty crocodile fears me when I stop the waters. Even Osebo the leper, the mighty hunter, dares not cross my path. There is nothing greater than me. Anansi said. But the only way Aso will believe me is if I show her you are longer than a palm tree's branch. Onini slithered closer to Anansi, his large, looming figure swaying to and fro. And how do you propose we do that? Onini asked. I'm glad you asked. Anansi said. Here, I have laid out the largest bamboo rod I could find. Perhaps if you stretch beside it, we can finally put this nonsense to rest and tell the entire forest that you are the superior python in all the land. Onini hissed with delight and did as Anansi instructed. He stretched his long body beside the bamboo. Oh, said Anansi. Can you stretch further? Onini flicked his tongue and expanded his body further. Anansi squatted near the end of the bamboo and shook his head. Mm. Not quite long enough, he clicked his tongue. 
Perhaps our soul was right. Onini growled with irritation and fully extended the entire length of his body. Anansi clapped as Onini's nose just reached beyond the end of the bamboo rod. You see? Onini hissed with delight. Yes, a great and lengthy Lord Onini! Anansi cheered. His expression quickly fell, though, into one of deep thought. Now what is wrong? Onini asked. Anansi shrugged. Well, we have clearly proven that you are the largest python, but how can we prove your strength? Onini chuckled. <laughs> Find me a great beast and watch as I devour it. Anansi continued to think. Hmm, he said. That would prove that you are capable of such an impressive appetite. But... He looked at Onini out of the corner of his eyes and played with the vines hanging from his arm. But to prove your strength, well, we must be able to watch you break free from a trap. If we tied your entire body down and then you broke free, now that would be impressive. Onini was hesitant to do this, as any rational being would be. So Anansi just shrugged. Well, of course, I mean... Who needs proof you are the strongest python? Surely everyone knows that, but... Onini waited for the trickster to go on. Well, you know, this sky god sees all, and... Onini glanced up at what little of the sky he could see through the canopy of trees, and gulped. Anansi smirked. He knew that Onini did not want to appear weak to anyone, especially to someone as powerful as the All-Creator. Fine, hissed Onini. Tie me to the bamboo, and I will show you what a true python can do. As quick and efficiently as he could, Anansi used not the vines, but his silk and all of his hands to tie Onini to the bamboo. Once Anansi stepped away, Onini began to flex his body and tried to break free. But he couldn't. As hard as he tried, as strong as he was, he just couldn't break free. Spider silk is five times stronger than steel. That might have had something to do with it. Onini's concern quickly grew to rage when he saw Anansi laughing. <laughs> you are the most powerful python in the land, Anansi said in between laughs. But not even the strongest can break free from a spider's web. And just like that, Anansi attached webbing to Onini and sent him up to Niame's kingdom. One down, two to go. But before we get to the next one, let's stop here and do a little commercial break thing. Now that we've got that over with, we are back to the story. Anansi was riding high after his first victory, but then he realized he would now have to somehow catch a bunch of hornets. Worried, he went home to his wife, Asho, and told her about his victory and also about his concern. There are about 20 hornet species that live all around the world. Asian giant hornets have a venomous sting and are responsible for about 50 deaths a year in Japan. Right, and that's exactly the kind of thing Anansi was hoping to avoid. Asso had an idea, though. She gave him a calabash, which is a kind of gourd, and carved a hole into it to hollow it out. Here, said Asso, 
handing Anansi the gourd. Once you convince the Emboro hornets to leave with you, tell them they may safely travel inside the calabash. Anansi took the gourd and said, How will I get them in here? Aso laughed. <laughs> that husband, she said, is up to you, oh clever Anansi. She kissed Anansi on the cheek and wished him luck. Anansi cautiously approached the Mboro hornets. He could hear the aggressive buzzing near their hive, and for the first time he felt nervous. Before he was close enough to be noticed, though, Anansi stopped by a stream and took note of the trees which blocked out most of the sky. He suddenly got a very clever idea. You see, these hornets really hated rain. Rain destroyed their home. Rain could kill them all. So really, all Anansi needed was some rain on this oh-so-clear day. He looked at the stream and the gourd he carried and smiled. When water started pouring down through the leaves, the hornets were in a frenzy. Their nest was getting soaked through. They couldn't fly in the rain. What were they going to do? Hey, Mumbora, what are you doing in this weather? Asked Anansi as he rappelled down a tree on his silk. We were unprepared for rain today, the hornet said. Anansi clicked his tongue. Oh, that won't do. What about your precious queen? We cannot protect her, the hornets responded. They were in full-blown panic at this point. Anansi nodded sadly. The hornets looked at the gourd Anansi just so happened to be carrying, and he followed their gaze. Oh, this? He asked, holding up the gourd. I was just using it to protect my head from the rain. Wait, if you get inside of this cord, you can protect your hive and your queen and stay dry. That's something I thought of just right now. The hornets buzzed in conference with each other. Then they all agreed that this was a good plan. Yes, spider, thank you. The Emboro owe you a debt, said the hornets, and they all flew into the gourd. Anansi quickly filled the hole of the gourd with a ball of grass, attached it to his silk, and sent it up to Niamh. That's two for Nancy, just one more to go. He was so close, he could taste it. For the final task, Anansi consulted his wife again, and the two worked through the night to prepare everything. Now, Anansi knew that the forest spirit Moatia wasn't as easily fooled as Onini or the Mboro. He had to be exceptionally clever. So at night, Anansi placed an Akuba doll that Aso had carved for the plan by Moatia's odum tree. The Iroko, or odum tree, is a tree species found in tropical central Africa. These trees can live for up to 500 years. In Akan lore, it is known as a meeting place for spirits. Which is exactly why Anansi placed his Akuba doll there. He tied up some silk to the doll's waist, head, and arms, and then covered the doll in a sap from a gum tree. Lastly, Anansi placed a bowl of itu, mashed plantains, in the lap of the doll. Spirits famously could not resist the allure of delicious plantains. Once this was done, he hid where Moatia would not see him. Just as Anansi had planned, Moatia emerged from the odum tree and immediately spotted the doll and the plantains. She joyfully flitted through the forest undergrowth until she was right next to the doll. Sweet child, said Moatia. I see you below my tree eating your ito. Would you be so kind as to share some with me? She asked. 
From his hiding place, Anansi pulled on his silk to make the doll nod its head. He moved the doll's hands so Moatia could get a handful of the ito. She happily took a small portion, not wanting to be greedy. And once Moatia had finished eating, she smiled kindly at the doll. Thank you so much for sharing this delicious meal with me, she said. What would you like in return? I can bless your family, your farm, gift you with treasures only the forest spirits know. What would you like? Anansi did not move the doll at all. Moatia repeated herself. And Anansi manipulated the doll so its head turned away from Moatia. The spirit immediately turned red with anger. Exactly what Anansi wanted to happen. Child! Moatia snapped the doll. You dare come into my home and then ignore me? Have you no manners? Do you truly decline a blessing from one such as I? Anansi made the doll shrug. And this enraged Moatia. Before she could stop herself, she raised her hand up and slapped the doll and discovered that it was tacky and sticky. Moatia struggled against the gum sap. What? What is this? She yelled, trying her hardest to pull from the dolls. Release me at once! She yelled. She then used her free hand to try to pry and push the doll away from her, but the gum tree sap held on even tighter. Moatia was such a small spirit, and the sap was so sticky that eventually she was pulled onto the doll and stuck in a thick coating of gum sap. Once the spirit was truly stuck, Anansi jumped from his hiding place and gloated as he had before with the others he had caught. And just like before, he attached his silk to the fairy and sent her up to the heavens. The wind blew then, and Anansi heard Niame's voice. Just one more. Anansi thought he had heard him wrong. One more? He asked. But I have captured the three greatest beings of the land, as you demanded. The wind blew again. The trees rustled. One more, said Niame again. This happened to Heracles during his labors. In modern words, we would call this moving the goalposts. Anansi stomped his many feet and crossed his arms. What more would you ask of me? He called up to the sky, resigned. In response, Anansi heard the ominous, deep growling of a creature he had hoped to avoid. Mosebo, he said, defeated. The wind stopped, and Anansi was alone once more. Now, facing an even greater task. Anansi knew he must gather all of his courage and face the leopard if he wished to bring stories to humanity. Anansi had no time to brainstorm with Aso, so he made a plan all on his own. Wasn't exactly the best plan, but it was a quick one. Using all eight of his arms and legs, Anansi dug a deep hole in the forest and covered it with palm fronds, vines, and leaves. Then he crawled up into the trees and waited for Osebo to come closer. Osebo, the mighty hunter, the man-killer, devourer of all, was the largest leopard in the entire forest. Once Anansi had seen Osebo drag a crocodile out of the river and eat it in three bites. He was fast. He was deadly. But Anansi also recalled that Osebo was not the brightest. 
One time, the leopard argued with his own echo for hours and threatened to eat the beast who was challenging him. As long as Anansi stayed out of sight, his plan should work. Anansi could tell Osebo was coming closer because of all the prey animals fleeing in front of him. Osebo was just about to step on Anansi's trap, but then he stopped and sniffed the air. <laughs> Anansi held his breath. Suddenly, Osebo sat and cleaned his paws, flexing his long and sharp knife-like claws. Anansi wondered if Osebo knew what was happening, and then Osebo noticed a sunspot in a clearing ahead. Now, if you have a cat, you know how irresistible a sunspot is to them. And at the end of the day, Osebo was just a really big cat. He stretched and then confidently walked towards the clearing and the sunspot when, snap! He fell into Anansi's trap and was at the bottom of a very, very deep hole. Anansi quietly cheered and crawled down from the tree. Osebo roared in anger. Who has done this? Anansi poked his head over the mouth of the hole. Is that the mighty Osebo I hear? Anansi called down. Osebo snarled. Yes, spider. Someone has dug this hole and trapped me. Anansi feigned concern. Who would do this to you, O great hunter? I do not know, said Osebo, but I will find them, and I will eat them once I am free. Now free me, spider. Anansi sat on the edge of the ditch and kicked his many legs to and fro. But what if you eat me, O devourer of all? He asked. I have many children and a wife to care for. Osebo rolled his eyes. Fine. Free me, spider, and I shall let you go free. I swear I will not eat any spiders if you get me out. Anansi made a show of considering this and finally nodded. If I get you out, then you must promise to never hunt in this forest again. And you must leave the farmers alone. Osebo growled with a deep rage. You dare make demands of me? With one great leap, Osabo sunk his claws into the dirt walls and began to climb out. Anansi panicked. He knew he should have made that hole deeper. Why would Nayame test such a small creature to capture such a massive predator? Anansi quickly began to spin his silk around the walls of the hole. He caught Osebo's tail and then tied it around the leopard's back legs. Osebo tried to cut the silk with his claws, but Anansi wrapped Osebo's front claws together. The leopard stumbled and fell back into the ditch with a mighty crash. As quick as he could, Anansi covered Osebo in his web until the leopard could no longer move. Finally, he could breathe. He had captured Osebo, the fearsome hunter. In the Sky God's kingdom, Anansi arrived with the leopard, growling and fighting, but wrapped in spider silk. He placed his bundle before the king and bowed. For you, great Sky God, said Anansi. Now, I believe you owe me stories. Niame laughed a hearty laugh. <laughs> Very good, Spider. As promised, you may have all of my stories. Do with them as you please, and remember to always add more. From now on, you will be Anansi the Storyteller, keeper of tales and holder of knowledge of what was 
and what could be. Niame patted Anansi on the shoulder and adorned him with new robes and beautiful opals and gold weaved into his dreadlocks. Anansi liked his new look. Thank you, Lord Niame, Anansi said, admiring himself in his reflection in a nearby pool. But I must ask, why did you have me bring you a sable? I am but a small spider. Niame smiled and knelt down to look at Anansi in his many eyes. Because, Niame said, every storyteller must have a tale of felling a giant and overcoming impossible odds. And that is how Anansi brought stories into the world. And now, you can probably guess why there are so many stories about Anansi. He's the one that's telling the stories. Only one more episode for this season, and it's a great one. Stay tuned for our last episode of Season 7 next week. This episode of National Geographic Kids Greeking Out is written by Rosalind Sanders and hosted by Kenny Curtis, with Tori Kerr as the Oracle of Wi-Fi, audio production and sound design by Scotty Beam, and our theme song was composed by Perry Grip. Roseanne A. Brown is our subject matter expert, and Emily Everhart is our producer. This episode was brought to you by Sirwa Boateng's Guide to Vampire Hunting by Roseanne A. Brown for middle-aged readers. Available wherever books are sold.